Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Midnight Ride Revolution Recap, whatever we're calling this thing. It is um, still very much a work in progress, but Sean Donahue is once again with me. Uh, this is Hank Alexand. Um, Sean's Revolution Recap. I'm Midnight Ride. We're putting the two together. We're making it work, and it's sounding really good. So, Sean, thanks again for coming on. Um, let's uh, Let's go ahead and, and talk about last week's game right off the bat because it was a really important game and uh, the Revolution just couldn't come up with the three points. Yeah, it was a night and day thing too compared to how they played the week before against Columbus. They put in a lot better effort this game. You know, they came out there actually looking like they wanted to win this one uh, and they they did really well too. I don't think Chicago you know, was going out guns blazing either. They played uh, kind of a defensive-minded game from the start and the Reds were able to take advantage of that but they weren't able to score uh, they had some chances, uh, but really just couldn't find that finishing touch. But uh, it was some promising signs in this game. It was a lot better performance than they had against uh, Columbus. And while uh, a draw isn't the best result, it certainly was a much better result than a loss would have been. Absolutely, because the draw keep, kept them at pace with everybody else in the playoff hunt. If they didn't get that draw, they would basically be out. Um, there would probably be a scenario where if everybody else lost – they could still capture that final playoff spot. But uh, this way, um, it's, it was definitely better to get one point than none. We're going to talk about playoff scenarios later in the, in the broadcast, but uh, so we're going to skip that now. But you go back and take a look at the match, and uh, who are the real standout performances for you? For me, uh, you know, I saw uh, some good work there from, uh, obviously, from Shawree Joseph, and uh, even Edgar Jankowskis, uh, you know, was was adding to the the overall uh, quality of play. Um, but you know, another standout performance for me from uh, guys in the back line like Darius Barnes and Kevin Alston, uh, Jay Heaps, and even Osei this this uh, go around didn't seem to have. You know, there's still some communication. You know, problems there with, with Matt Reese. I'm not sure what that's all about. Um, but uh, from the back line to me, it looks solid. But uh, the real standout performance, I think, for me was uh, was Jeff Lorenowitz back in the lineup. Yeah, I agree 100% there. I thought Jeff Lorenowitz was playing you know, possibly even his best game for the Reds. I'm not saying something. He was everywhere tonight. You know, he was getting forward offensively. You know, he was back on defense, making a great clearing header, I remember, in the first half. He, he had a couple of shots on goal. This was definitely one of his better performances and certainly really showed what the Revs were missing the week before when he was out of the lineup against Columbus. And you know, according to Steve Nichol, he was playing with a you know, significant injury and playing through that, so it makes it even more impressive you know, how he performed. And I also thought Kevin Olsen was another standout in this game. Uh, he didn't look too good to me against Columbus the week before. I thought it was probably possibly his worst game of the year, to be honest. He you know, wasn't getting forward very much, and he seemed kind of invisible to me. But this was the exact opposite in this game. He was combining very well on the right flank. I, I thought he was combining well with Niasi, actually, you know, doing some quick give and goes. And I thought the two of them, you know, looked pretty good. You know, more so Austin though, because Austin put in a great performance in this game as, as well. So for me, Lorena was and Austin were the two, 
you know, key guys in this match. And it looked to me like both of them really wanted to go out there and single-handedly get this team to win. And I think the runner was probably sitting out last week. You know, he said he wanted to play. I'll probably play that clip later, uh, what he had to say about that. But, you know, I, I thought he looked like he was probably frustrated after seeing last week and thought that he really needed to be the spark. And to me, he really was a spark for this team. Definitely, definitely was, and the way he, the way he fills, up fills up the room in the middle of the field and, and really adds, adds that kind of confidence, kind of confidence level to the whole team, uh, you, uh, don't, you see don't see that. that. Not on he's the, not on the field. Definitely, definitely don't see it uh, what they have. Uh, have. Uh, uh, you know, Pat Bailey playing, playing his plays, 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 he may in time grow into that role uh, uh, and become more of an attacking attacking presence, be a more force in the midfield rather than basically be a backstop for Shalvin Joseph. But Jeff, I really thought took took good control in that match. And the only thing I wish I would have seen is because Jeff Lorenowitz is in the match, Shalvin pushing more into the attack. I mean, he he was definitely driving the ball out through the wings and controlling some of the play in the midfield. But you know, we need to get Shalri on the end of some of those crosses too, especially when you've got a guy like Edgar Jankowskis in there who can draw a couple of defenders. And that you see, I mean, all, all the defenders that Jankowskis has been playing against, they're all gravita- gravitating towards him. He's having a hard time with these defenders, even though he towers over a lot of them. Um, you look at him and his size, you figure he'd be able to get up and over these guys. But they're really a lot more physical than I think Jankowskis was uh, realized before coming into this league. However, when you have somebody taking one or two defenders, that's when you need somebody in the back there. Uh, and for me, Shalri Joseph is a, is a better alternative um, than, on the end of those long balls than Kelly Dubay, who just doesn't seem to be able to connect uh, – in the final third. And you bring up two good points there. Now, first of all, Jankowskis, um, I haven't been real impressed with him this season. I know I've said that in the past, but to me, I thought this was one of his better games yes. uh, for the Revolution. I, I thought he was you know, a lot more active up front, a lot more involved in the play, and you know, e- even winning 50-50 challenges more so than we've seen in the past. And, and that was a good sign from him. Hopefully, you know, he can keep that up this week. You know, I also agree that Shaver Joseph, again, is you know, obviously a better option than Kelly Dubé, uh, up top, he's also a better option than anyone in the midfield too. Uh, I do think I do agree with you though. We talked about this in the past um, that you know it's, it's hard to to fill this hole in the midfield when you move him up. But I do think in a game like that where they really needed to win, you know that maybe we should have seen him move up top uh, at least at halftime and make that change before if, if they were unable to score. Right, right. And I'm I'm hoping you know we'll we'll talk more about um, the game next week later on. Uh, but I'm hoping that we'll maybe see a shift in the lineup. Um, you know, there's got to be uh, there's got to be definitely more attacking presence. And my dog has just come to visit and getting in the way of things. Just don't step on the plug, okay? We don't want it to turn off right now. Um, so again, with a game, the other really big um, big thing that we should talk about, give it some attention. We're not going to dust it under the rug, but our uh, stalwart between the pipes, uh, Matt Reese certainly was lucky uh, not to be um, suspended uh, for this next game, considering uh, that he took out, cleaned out uh, Chris Rolfe inside the penalty box going for that ball. 
and as the last man, um, he would have been uh, it would have been a straight red card. However, uh, was it Gonzalez who was the referee? He saw saw the play a little bit differently. Um, and on the replay, you could definitely see Matt Reese was definitely diving for the ball. He wasn't attempting to stop uh, Chris Rolfe from getting to the ball, but he was definitely diving for the ball, and he, but he clearly made contact. And, uh, you know, probably not a yellow card for Chris Rolfe. Yeah, I, I certainly agree it wasn't a yellow card for Chris Rolfe, and I do think it was the right call would have been a penalty in that situation. I actually... I'm trying to recall, I don't think this was the first time either that, you know, Reese has taken someone out uh, in the box. I mean, not not visually, certainly going for the ball. And uh, the other time, I believe it was a penalty kick and a yellow card. And I thought that time he was lucky not to, get a, not to get a red card being the last man back. This situation, he was even more lucky that he didn't, not only did he not get a card, but they didn't give up the penalty kick. And Chris Rolfe I, I was given a yellow card for diving, which certainly was not the case. So, you know, the Rebs really dodged a bullet there. If that goal had gone in, I and mean, if they had gotten a penalty kick and they had scored there, you know, Certainly, if it had been a red card, uh, I don't think the Reds would have had any shot at the playoffs. They would have, you know, lost that game. Not had Reese going into Columbus, uh, that would have really just been game over for this team. So, you know, sometimes breaks go against you, sometimes breaks go your way. I think this time certainly, you know, Reds can't have any complaints. Right. And so, uh, one of the uh, one of the other key things that we've been talking about, we've been asking for, uh, is when is Mauricio Castro going to start? you know, playing for this team. And so we actually saw Castro make his um, second appearance in as many weeks for the Revolution and put in some good minutes, uh, over a half an hour for the Revs. Um, what did you see from Castro that you either liked or didn't like? That, uh, you know, from where I was standing, he seemed to uh, definitely bring a level of quality to the to the field. Um, and, you know, we again, you know, he's got those – those great crosses that we'd love to see, you know, some people get on the end too. Um, do you think that he's a guy that can maybe play in the middle of the field? You know, t- to me, I think he could after, I think a lot of times in this game, we were seeing him in the middle of the field, actually. And that's something I wanted to you know, bring up. Uh, you know, I was very happy to see him coming early and I think he certainly showed his quality and, you know, I'd like to see him starting next week. But to me, I, I think he came onto this game and was trying to do too much. Uh, I-, I think he knows, you know, he's been, limited in playing time, and I think he was trying to really impress. He was everywhere. You know, he was taking the ball, going across the midfield. Uh, but I, I think they probably could have used him more to stay out wide in this game, particularly. Uh, a lot of the times he was in the middle. He was doing everything to get the ball. And like you said, he showed a lot of quality, and I'd like to see him starting next week. But uh, I do think he was almost trying to do too much in this game. Yeah, yeah, and I think he's he's probably feeling a bit frustrated as well, having um, not had the opportunities to play. Uh, whether it be through injury or whatever reason, because uh, you know he's been off the injured list for quite some time, um, and you wonder why he's not in the everyday lineup. Uh, you've got uh, Kenny Mansali, Abdulli Mansali, uh, and Sandy Nyasi, who are um, basically, I think, on a uh, lifeline, but. Uh, you know, right now they're the best options kind of we've got in in Steve Nichols' mind, obviously. Um, I say definitely on the right-hand, uh, right wing, you know, Nyasi's got to be there. Um, he's very dangerous from there. And, and I think he's looked dangerous the past two games, too. I yeah, think he's, he's done uh, great out there. Even when the team was looking horrible against Columbus, I thought he was one of the, the few guys that was actually creating anything, and that's why I was surprised to see him taken out of that game. In this game, too, 
Uh, like I said earlier, I, I thought him and Kevin Austin, you know, were, were working really well together. I think we've seen that in the past too, where the two of them, you know, combine really well going forward. Uh, yes, they do leave holes in the back at times uh, because both of them do like to push up. Uh, but at the same time, at this point of the season, when you need wins, you need goals, and this team isn't scoring, that's a risk that you got to take. Right, and you know the other thing with uh, Kevin Alston, we we talked about him a couple of times tonight already, but he's had a couple of uh, um, good opportunities where he's in that last game where he went forward and one put one beautiful ball, which you know a person of uh, like maybe Taylor Twelman or some other striker uh, would have probably capitalized on it, but it went right onto the feet of Kelly Dubay, who just seemed to, you know, turn intangible, and the ball went literally went right through him somehow. I don't know uh, how how he could have missed that. And you look at opportunities like that wasted, and it really just points to um, kind of the lack of, of quality that, uh, and the lack of depth that we have in the uh, the forward striker position. Yeah, it certainly does, and I, I agree Twanwin probably would have finished that. You know, it was unfortunate. We've seen Dubé put those chances away in the past. Uh, you know, for some for whatever reason, you know, he slipped up and went through his legs. You know, that's unfortunate, uh, but right now those are the players they got to deal with because they don't have anyone else available. It's a sad state of things. It really is a sad state. So, okay, um, we've got a lot more to cover. We're going to take a quick break here, and instead of going to music and stuff tonight, we're just going to go right to the audio clips because we've got a lot of clips that we want to cover. Uh, first up, uh, we are going to uh, just play this one clip from our uh, interim team captain, Mr. Shaw Reed Joseph. So uh, stick around, listen to the clip, and we'll be right back right afterwards. Uh, congratulations on the new team MVP, but can't, can't be happy with the results tonight. Nah, definitely. I mean, we kept pushing and pushing and trying to create chances, and at the end of the night, it was a disappointing result. But it's good to get MVP. But if we doesn't make the playoff or get into the playoff, it doesn't mean much at all. So right now, um, my main focus is just trying to get into the playoff, and that was what we were trying to do tonight. There has been a lot of talk that you might you know, even win league MVP. Obviously, not thinking about that now, but that going into the next game, how does that put added pressure on you? I think it put added pressure on the whole team. And I mean, the last two, three games, I've been trying to carry the load, and a lot of guys have been trying to pick up the slack where we haven't been scoring and creating chances. And tonight, we created a couple of chances, but we just wasn't able to get it in the back of the net. But the next week, we got Columbus, and it's going to be a must-win, and hopefully. We gotta pray some results go our way, but we just gotta look forward to try to win next week. You obviously weren't happy with the performance last week, but despite the results tonight, it seemed like you guys played a lot better. Yeah, I mean we moved the ball well, we created chances, and we we worked for each other. You can say, but at the end of the night, it's still a point we got. And it's disappointing that we didn't get three points tonight for our last home game and put ourselves in a better position for the playoff games. Right now, we just gotta focus on next week and see where we take it from there. Stevie was pretty critical last week about how you guys held the ball and, and moved it in the offensive third. Did, did you feel like that movement improved tonight and you feel like the quality was a little bit better? Yeah, the quality was better a little bit in the first half and a little towards the second half. But with having Eddie up there, Eddie who was the ball and he brings us into attack. And that's what we've been missing all the year, a target forward. And without that, we don't have much of a creative chance in the attacking third. So we do miss Taylor and we do miss Rawson. But Eddie came in tonight and he did well, hold the ball up and try to create chances. There were chances there, but we just wasn't able to finish it off. 
you talk about the return of Lorena with the lineup, it seems like you know he put in a great game. What does that mean, you know, as far as what you're able to do out there? I mean, Jeff does the work that we need him. He wins the ball, he he tackles hard, and he, he keeps the team organized in the midfield when I go forward and when I'm restrained. So to have Jeff back is a plus every time to have a kid back next to you, and hopefully he'll be here for years to come, and Rolly be here for years to come, and. Well, our main focus right now, as I said, is next week against Columbus and trying to get in the playoff and hoping things go our way. All right, so there you have uh, Shari Joseph giving us uh, his rundown of, of their performance. Obviously, he was disappointed, um, but uh, Shari really just been the man for the revolution this year. He's been the team leader in goals. Um, he's up there in assists as well, and uh, really is just, you know, with all the injuries and with um, – all of the uh, our, our veteran leaders, so to speak, you know, with Steve Ralston going down and Taylor Twelman being out, Shari's had to uh, kind of, you know, bear the the uh, the load of this team for the uh, for the majority of the season. And uh, you know, the beginning of the game, they they actually acknowledged the the contribution, uh, the Revolution and craft soccer, um, as as well as the Midnight Ride. Um, acknowledged uh, what Shari has done for this uh, for this team and, and, and gave him a bit of silverware. Pretty sweet. Yeah, well-deserved getting team MVP and then the Midnight Riders uh, Man of the Year award. Uh, certainly no argument here that he deserved it. <laughs> I don't think anyone could really argue that. And, you know, maybe he will win the team M- the league MVP, but I don't think that happens if the Rebs don't make the playoffs. Yeah, and I think that's pretty much... Um, a contingent for him and for everybody, you know, but there's still so much that he does in the league. And you just, you talk to any fan of MLS or even, even, you know, the casual observer of MLS, the names that always seem to come up and that uh, people remember, uh, they say, oh, that Shari Joseph plays in New England. He is awesome. You know, I'm talking to somebody down the street, um, Say, hey, is that you know? He he maybe goes to you know one Revolution game every three years, and he doesn't follow the MLS at all. But he says, hey, is Shawry Joseph still playing? Yeah, uh, yeah, he's still playing. He's awesome. You know, he's the workhorse of our team. And um, it was great to see that acknowledgement. Uh, and like I said, he has been um, kind of well. He's been the captain, literally. Uh, for the last couple of games, ever since Ralston went down, um, he has taken the captain's armband and he's really uh, stepped up and, and proven his his uh, his worth. Um, I think his contract situation, and we're going to talk more about that maybe next week with with the roster and the contracts and stuff. But I think he's I think he's here. He signed a long term contract uh, a couple of years ago, so I think he's in the the third year of his new contract. Um, but I, I'll, I don't know what the details are, uh, but we'll try and get all that stuff. Yeah, well, I, I, get, I get the impression that uh, he's going to be back next year. I believe after the game, I think it was him, uh, after this game, in the locker room where he was talking about, you know, I, this team needs to, you know, he really hopes that the team comes back next year and brings back Ralston and the Runaways. You know, he's acting like he was certainly going to be there next year. So I, I do, I think he's probably under contract for at least another year with this team. Yeah, at least one more. I'm pretty sure. It may be more. Who knows? Um, but the other, the, there was some other additional awards handed out, uh, and uh, you know we got to got to mention it. And um, the team defender of the year 
uh, was awarded to Jay Heaps. And in my, you know, my opinion, Jay's done a, a great job. He's been serviceable back, and he's played center back. He's he's done all sorts of things for uh, for this team, and he had a great performance against New York earlier in the season, where he, uh, you know, he scored in his 300th appearance or whatever it was, and uh, and he also got an assist. So you look at that and you say, hey, well done, Jay. But um, you know, over the course of the season. I really look to the performance of, of the rookies, both Darius Barnes and Kevin Alston, as you know superior performances uh, from from the defenders, uh, guys that have had a, a definite impact and, and a big big part in uh, in the begin, uh, especially you know for the back line. These guys have played most the majority of the games all season long. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm thinking that uh, Darius Barnes probably led the team in minutes. Uh, yeah, he leads the league in minutes. He's played every minute of every game. Yeah. So you look at somebody like that who comes in as a rookie, uh, and yeah, we've had a we, we've had our fair shakes in the back line, but you know, as a rookie, he's come in and, and led it up. Now I know you. What do you think? I mean, you've you're more in line that you think a heaps is a deserving guy in this part. I think Heath is actually who I voted for in this. I was, to me, there was little to choose between. I think, um, actually, I think you could make an argument really for any of the, the four guys, you know, some more than others, but I, I, I think that um, as far as Heath, uh, he's been a veteran player. He's the one guy on this team that's been there you know, more than this year, and I think there's unquestionably his leadership in the back has been key for this team uh, going into the season. But also, if you look at his stats, you mentioned the Rebel game. Uh, he's also done a good job picking his spots getting forward uh, maybe more so at the beginning of the season, but you know, he did finish the season with four assists in addition to his goal. Uh, so offensively, his contributions from the back you know, have been bigger than anyone else's. And I think uh, you see Austin going forward a lot more, but Heaps has been more productive when he's gone forward, uh, statistically at least, anyways. And you know, Austin maybe doesn't pick his spots as well, maybe he just pushes forward you know, too much. But I agree with you, Darius Barnes, I think you could have certainly given it to him. Um, Again, though, he's had some, some games where he hasn't been at the best. He's scored you know, several own goals this year. Uh, you, you hate to you know, put too much on that, but he's certainly been great. Uh, Kevin Alston, you know, again, he's a great candidate for rookie of the year, just like Barnes. Uh, but I also think he's been kind of inconsistent as well. I think Heaps has really been the steady presence back there. You know, he, he hasn't played every game this season, but he's played 24 games. Uh, and when he's been back there, I think he's certainly you know, been solid, and you can rely on him every game. Uh, another thing this year is in the past, you know, maybe seen him get red cards, get thrown out of games. Hasn't happened this year. Only four yellow cards. You know, he's just been playing, you know, some smart defense back there, and I think he's deserving of it. Yeah, yeah, you bring up a good point, especially in the uh, the yellow card situation um, and disciplinary. He's he's probably um, won over a few refs. I think <laughs> he's he's been around that long. My first impressions of of watching Jay Heaps play. Um, you know, it's a, I thought he was a big whiner, uh, and I'm not afraid to say it. Uh, he'd, he'd probably, um, you know, punch me in the face if I if I uh, said it to his face. But, um, but yeah, definitely he's cleaned up his act, and he's he's proved that you know he's he has a spot on this team by far. I mean, he's your first choice in, on the back line, um, and you know he's been versatile enough to go in and play the middle. When people have been injured, and uh, you know, he played right side, played left side, um, does a great job. I just, 
you know, I look at, at the whole back line as as a, uh, you know, if you could give it to anybody, would Jay Heaps be my first person? Um, you know, it would be, I'd be hard-pressed not to vote for him, I guess, if I did have a vote. But like I said, there are, there are other alternatives. And, and what about uh, Matt Reese? I mean, he's obviously a defender. Uh, and, it, you know, he's had some quirky moments this season, especially with his defense. And, and again, in that Seattle game where uh, Freddie Montero just floated that ball in on top of him, you kind of look at that and then uh, that ball that uh, with the, the miscommunication with Gina, uh, with Ose when uh, Padula scored in, against Columbus uh, two weeks ago. You look at that and you say, okay, is Matt um, 100%? Is he um, looking at, at – uh, is he starting to get old? Is he no longer a top uh, tier MLS goalkeeper? And you know, my opinion was he had a few bad games. He's been nursing a couple of injuries as well, and he's been playing through them. Um, I was surprised actually uh, that he started the game knowing that he was carrying that injury last week. Um, what are your thoughts on Matt Reese? Well, I agree with you. He certainly had um, you know a couple of shaky moments. I think even. In the last game, there was a couple of times where, uh, again, miscommunications with Osei. You know, there was also the shot early on where he, he came out, and I think it was maybe Barnes that came out you know, as well, and Chris Rolfe chips to the back post of the open net and you know, just rolled wide. There was another chance they could have scored in that yeah, game. That was scary. Uh, but, you know, again, looking at Reese this season, uh, stats-wise, he's been the best goalkeeper in the league. Uh, he's got the best save percentage. He's made more saves than any other goalkeeper, and he's you know, saved 81% of the shots that have been at him. Uh, it's it's rare for a goalie in MLS to have you know over 80% save percentage, and he's the only goalkeeper in the league this year that has that. So I think stats-wise, you could make an argument that you know he's been having a great year. Uh, his goals against average is one, which is you know again certainly a, a good average there. Uh, but watching the games, there has been a few shaky times. You know, but there's also been games where he has bailed this team out and made you know lots of key saves. He's been called upon a lot. You know, like I said, he's faced more shots than any other goalkeeper, and he's made more saves than any other goalkeeper. So. Uh, I think, yes, there was a few times where, you know, it could have done better, but on the whole, um, I, I can't fault them for any, you know, for the Revs, you know, not playing so well this year, that's for sure. Yep. Yep. It's funny. I was just looking at the league roster on ESPN, uh, the team roster on ESPN.com, and uh, they actually have, after Brad Knighton as a goalkeeper, they actually have Amici Igwe as a goalkeeper. And that's like, Wow, look at that. Uh, I didn't realize that he actually played goalkeeper, but it must be just a snafu. Um, but you look at uh, also one of the guys, you know, granted he's only made um, six games this season, but in those six games he made over um, like 36, 39 saves as Brad Knighton. And uh, I did a little bit of analysis on this a while back. It's funny, he... Uh, he has more saves per minute <laughs> than any other goalkeeper, uh, which you know kind of speaks you know in that early patch when Matt Reese was down and uh, there was obviously some problems with the defense. We were losing quite a few games, but um, you know Brad Knighton came in and, and did some some work. I was actually uh, watching Brad warm up a bit um, before the game on. Uh, last Saturday, and I thought that he was going to start, but I was I was pleased to see Matt Reese make the start. You know, it definitely shows that kind of grit uh, that you know 
veteran leadership presence in the locker room, says, hey, you know what, I'm going to play through the pain. I'm going to go out here and win. Uh, that was good for him. Uh, but, you know, if it was a choice, actually, between him and, and Jay Heaps, um, I might have picked Matt Reese for uh, Defender of the Year. You know, I actually think in the past we've been able to vote for goalkeepers, but I actually don't think Matt Reese was on the ballot this year um, for Defender of the Year. So, uh, you know, I, I think he would have been certainly at least one of my top three choices if he was, but I think he actually wasn't even a, an option. I don't know why they changed it this year, but because in the past certainly you could vote for goalkeepers, but I believe this year you couldn't. That's funny. Um, well, hey, at least you get a vote, right? I mean, I, I'm just a I'm just a, a podcaster, blogger guy. I don't get a vote yet. Uh, but uh, all right, we're let's take um, another quick break. We'll jump right into another uh, clip here. Um, uh, actually, two clips back to back, and then uh, we'll we'll come right back and we'll, we'll talk about the other big news that came out last week before the game. So stick around, listen to the clips. We'll be right back. How has he made you a better striker? Uh, he's he's been on me, you know. He'll be the first one to tell you in '04 when he first came here. He, you know, looked me in the eye and said, you know, you've got a lot to work on. And I, you know, I owe a lot. I mean, Brad told me the stat tonight. I think since Ball's been here, you know, postseason and everything else, it's been eighty-seven goals. So I owe all that to Paul. A lot of it to Paul and you know the rest of the teammates. Now Paul deserves it. It's well deserved. I, it's a shame. I said it on air today. It's a shame that a coach like that leaves the league. You know, he's a, he's a he's a guy that someone in this league should have given a head coaching job to. And now, you know, he's going to be coaching Ipswich or someone real soon, and we're all going to be wondering why he's not here. We're in this sport for uh, one reason, and that's to win. And all you can do is to try and win games, and um, you know, then opportunities generally come your way. But. Um, I've I've been close. I've been interviewed. I just haven't sort of managed to pull one off. But uh, you know, it's, that's the way it is in football. This opportunity has developed over a long stretch of time. I mean, how can you just kind of walk us through the timeline a little bit and how this sort of all came about? Uh, there's been a takeover of the club, um, American ownership, Japanese ownership, mm-hmm. um, and obviously my connection with. Plymouth from my early days um, so the connection was initially to be like a, a global ambassador for the club to try and pull all the pieces together um, <clears throat> England are, are bidding for the World Cup in 2018 and uh, Plymouth are going to be a, they want to be a, a venue for the World Cup um, my guess is that they've got a, if England get it they've got a very good chance of, of getting the site because it's a little different <coughs> it's got a lot to offer um, not only scenically, but also, you know, the way people can get into the uh, the area. So um, originally, I went over to do that, and then I subsequently had meetings with uh, the new board, the the manager, Paul Sturrock, and um, very similar situation to Stevie Nick. Uh, when we met, we sort of hit it off straight away, and uh, he wanted to do some changes in his staff, and he thought of me. What was behind the decision to make the move and to make the move now? Well, um, as we know in, in football, uh, things move very, very quickly. Either you're in or you're out. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the offer came in from Plymouth, I immediately spoke to Stephen. Um, and I, I must admit that, that uh, the New England Revolution, that Kraft Soccer, 
Mr. Craft, Jonathan, Brian Bolello, you know, Burns and the whole soup to nuts, everybody's been fantastic in being understanding because they're, they're business people, they're football people. Um, and they know that uh, it's an opportunity that they didn't want to stand in my way because, um, you know, all, all the different reasons, financial reasons, career reasons, so on and so forth. Is there a part of you that regrets not being able to finish out the season with the revolution? Yeah, absolutely. I, I did my exit interview yesterday and, and they said, what, what could this organize, organization do? I said, win an MLS Cup. Uh, that's been my goal, our goal, ever since I joined. And we've come very close. Um, but we haven't made it. But we've we've done some good things. We've done produced some very good players. Uh, you know, winning the Super League, the US Open Cup, things like that. It's it's. I'm so very proud of of what uh, the players and the coaching staff have achieved. You've seen a lot of changes in the league since you've been here. On your way out the door, is there any direction you'd like to see MLS heading in? Any particular news? No, I think that uh, I think it's obviously it's a young league compared to all, all the other leagues in the world. I think that the, the job that everybody's done, from the uh, MLS offices in New York all the way down through ownership, and I think they've done a remarkable job to get to get teams to this position where you know you've got the likes of Blanco and Beckham coming to play in, in this league. I think it's it speaks volumes. All right, so there is. Paul Mariner, the man, shaking things up in the coaching staff at New England Revolution with his uh, big announcement uh, right before the game uh, that he was leaving the Revs for uh, a head coach position, not a manager position, but a head coach position at Plymouth Argyle, his first professional club back in England. Uh, You know, nothing but utmost respect for Paul, um, but kind of a, a weird time in the, <laughs> in the season, considering that you know they potentially only had you know one game left for him to make this kind of announcement. But um, he is gone. He is over there now, and I don't even know how they did today. I was going to look um, to see how Plymouth Argyle did today. Do you know, Sean? Um, I actually don't know. I meant to check that too. Uh, actually, I believe they tied one to one today. It looked like just to check that quickly. Um, but like you said, the timing is unfortunate. Uh, I don't think it's a, certainly a distraction for the team. Um, but uh, like you heard from the clip, like he said, you know, when these opportunities come up, it's, you know, you got to take it now or it's going to be past you by and you're not going to have the opportunity. And I certainly don't blame him for leaving. To, to be perfectly honest, I'm surprised he stayed with the team this long. Uh, you know, when the team was succeeding so much, I thought for sure you know, some team in MLS would give him an opportunity to be a head coach. Uh, you know, it's, un- it's unfortunate that the league's losing a guy like him because I think he would have made a you know great head coach in MLS, and I'm surprised we never got the opportunity to see it. Yeah, yeah. And you look at all the uh, coaching vacancies. Um, I thought for sure uh, that he was um, a lock in Seattle, and maybe that's just because his last name is Mariner. I, think, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's me. Um, oh, it's funny. I was just looking at that score about Plymouth Argyle. It's uh, <laughs> Oddly enough, playing Ipswich Town, which was his other big club in England and uh, very well known and, and in the premiership with Ipswich Town or, or whatever, top league um, with Ipswich Town for many, many years. So those are the, the two big clubs that um, that Paul Mariner was, was linked to. Uh, so that's kind of funny that they would play today and draw. <laughs> so no blood, nobody's, you know, nobody goes – 
gets their feelings hurt, and Paul can go home with a semi-happy man. Um, but yeah, obviously, you're looking at that now. Now we've got um, two more teams coming uh, into the league. Well, one one more team next season uh, with Philadelphia coming in 2010, and then uh, Vancouver and Portland in 2011. Um, you would think that there's going to be a demand for some coaches. You know, I mean, a lot of these these uh, teams that are coming up will, pro- you know, I say coming up as if they're being promoted. No, but they're actually coming into the league um, as established USL teams with existing coaching staff. But even Seattle did that, and they made a coaching change right off the bat. So um, I think that they'd probably want somebody who's more familiar with the league and the league rules uh, than to take over as kind of the head coach slash manager of one of these new clubs. Um, And yet that opportunity never seemed to come his way. Maybe it will someday, you know, when the MLS is – I shouldn't say the MLS. It's actually just MLS. But when MLS has its – is is fully grown and and mature league and is self-sustaining and, uh, you know, dare we even think about promotion and relegation. Um, But you look at a day like that, maybe he'll come back and he'll say, okay, I'm going to, you know, come back and and take over um, maybe an expansion team or an existing club. You know, it's a possibility, but I almost think, you know, I, I see a lot of potential in him as a coach, and I could see him, you know, eventually coaching in the Premier League and maybe moving his way up in the the English leagues over there. I wouldn't put that past him. Obviously, it's a long way off to say that's going to happen, but uh, like I said, I, I'm shocked that an opportunity hasn't come yet for him. Uh, there's been lots of teams with some, you know, pretty poor coaching over the years that he's been here, and, you know, he really hasn't gotten a shot. You know, another guy like that is you know, John Murphy, who we, who – was a former assistant for the Rebel, moved around, never managed to find a head coach job. And now he's over in Scotland. Uh, some of these really talented guys just haven't gotten an opportunity in the league. And it's, you know, you've got to wonder why. Right. Right. I actually think Murphy came back. Um, he, uh, there was a change of ownership at that team where he was, and uh, um, they wanted to go with, uh, they didn't want an American, put it that way. Um, so he is actually now back and, and looking again. Who knows? Maybe he'll end up with a revolution um, now that we have a vacancy. There will be a full and exhaustive search, as they put it, uh, for an assistant. Uh, my personal choice, uh, they wouldn't have to look too far uh, you know, down the bench to or on the injury table, I should say, right now. But Steve Ralston, to me, makes perfect sense knows the team, knows the players, knows Steve Nickel, um, and has that soccer mind that, you know, you can just see him being a real top-shelf manager of one of these teams someday. Uh, I know that, and maybe you've talked to him about this, but I think um, his inclination is that he's going to make it back on the field. Yeah, I definitely get the impression that he certainly wants to be back playing. and uh, But at the same time, like you said, that is, you know, a possibility. It could be a player assistant coach. Certainly, we've seen the Revs have a player head coach, which maybe isn't the best idea. But you know, as, <laughs> Thank as, a, as an assistant coach, that's that's a different story, I think. And I think that's a possibility for him. You know, it's another option that with I believe his contract is up. Um, so that's another thing there. They could maybe 
you know, make him assistant coach. I don't know the rules here, but, you know, give him some of the salary that way instead of having it counting as the cap. And uh, it would make it less less of a big deal to re-sign him for another year, not knowing, you know, whether he's going to come back 100%. Certainly, I hope they sign him regardless, but you know, that's another possibility. But uh, like, like you said about John Murphy, now that he's out of a job, uh, I don't know if he'd be willing to come back or if he'd want to come back or, you know, what he's looking at, but I, I certainly think he'd be a good option if he's available because uh, he's been given a lot of credit over the years for the players that the Revs have drafted that have been a success, guys like Noonan and Twelman. And, you know, back in the early years when we really talked about these super drafts as a success more recently, like, you know, it's, it's hard to say that. This year, of course, with Austin and Barnes, can't argue with it, but uh, I, I think he's done a great job, especially in scouting out these college players for the team and, I think he's a great coach. We look at how the goalkeepers performed under him, how Aiden Brown you know, really blossomed under him. Uh, I'd love to see him back if that's a possibility. Right. And, of course, there is the uh, current goalkeeper coach as well. You've got uh, Gwen Williams, uh, who is very well-liked and respected. Um, he's a possibility, a candidate, I'm sure. I don't. I don't know. Uh, what exactly Steve Nichol is looking for? If he's looking for somebody, uh, you know, that's got extensive coaching experience in the um, Boston area youth soccer arena, I am available, Steve, anytime. Just you know, feel free. Uh, I I know my 12-year-olds. Trust me, I can I can help you with the youngsters. Um, but seriously, I think uh, you know all best wishes. To Paul Mariner, and you know, good luck to you over in um, England, Paul. We're gonna and miss you. You heard from Twalman, uh, who was talked about Mariner's impact on his play. Certainly, Twalman sees that you know, he played a big role in helping him develop his career. And there were a lot of other guys after the match too, you know, guys like Ralston, and you know, everyone was just talking about you know the impact that Mariner has had on them. You know, he's not just. He's not just a figurehead up there. He gets and goes into these practices, you know, plays with the team, you know, really helps lead, has helped lead the practices in the past. Uh, you know, he's been a key guy for the Revs and a guy that Nickel has relied upon. So I don't know, you know, how this affects Nickel going into the future without, you know, his top assistant there. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you were aware of this, Sean, but we actually have a chat room going right now. We've got a uh, kind of a Revs fan going down. Um, He's saying that uh, you know the championship in England is actually above MLS in quality, and so that would be really kind of a step up for for Paul Mariner to um, from MLS, and that's actually a good thing. Um, yeah, I think some people would actually disagree with that. Uh, and well, isn't he also in uh, League One, not the championship? I think Plymouth was. Plymouth is actually in the championship. Oh, they are now. Yeah, yep, they're yeah. in the championship. So they're just one level below the premiership. And a lot of people say, you know, Gordon Strachan uh, came over uh, with the MLS All-Star game. He came over with Celtic for that, and he, he compared, a, you know, MLS to bottom premiership, uh, top, you know, top league, top of the uh, championship. So Plymouth is certainly the top of the championship. <laughs> no, Plymouth isn't. Um, but they're uh, – who knows? They may be on their way. Um, but I think this guy's name is Ryan. I'm pretty sure it is. It's, he's using his Twitter alias uh, in the chat room, so I'm not quite sure. Um, I know him as Orange Orange 05. I think he's a Syracuse guy. But 
We shall see. Anyway, uh, thanks for getting in the chat room. Yeah, we, the chat room runs whenever we stream live, so that anybody out there listening live, uh, feel free to hop in the chat room. Sometimes we'll notice, sometimes we won't. I know that we had a couple of guys last uh, last week or the week before when we did this. Um, they were in the chat room trying to get us. Uh, <laughs> sorry, he says his name is Ray. <laughs> And, uh, and Syracuse is up 14-7 at the half. So there you go. Uh, all right, Ray, thanks for the reminder. Um, all right, we've got a couple more clips we want to play. Uh, actually, just think just uh, one clip now, and then we'll play some more at the end. Um, but we're going to take another quick break, switch gears, come back, talk about uh, next week's game. Uh, but, uh, yeah, thank you, Paul Mariner. If you're listening in England, uh, congratulations on the draw. <laughs> I'm sure you'd much rather have a win. Um, Especially but, against Ipswich, is at the bottom of the table there. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, you know, it's worse. You could have lost to Ipswich, right? So, True. And they still got the whole season ahead of them. Um, and probably, uh, you know, considering that the, the Revolution may yet make it in the playoffs, um, I'm sure he just wanted to get over there and start his job as soon as possible. So, anyway, uh, we shall now uh, move on to that clip from Jeff Lorenowitz, and then we'll come back and talk about next week's playoff game, and um, or tomorrow's playoff game, I should say, and uh, the other scenarios around it. All right, so stick around. We'll be right back. Came back today, and it seems like you, you know, immediately were getting forward and creating chances, and we were all over the place. You know, after watching last week's game, did you feel you need to kind of spark this game of life? Yeah, you know, I was disappointed I didn't play last week. Um, I wanted to. Um, so... You know, I knew with an extra week's rest that I would be an extra week rest. So I wanted to use all that energy that I've stored up to play well on tonight's game. You disappointed with that only getting a draw with the effort you guys put in? Absolutely. I mean, 100%. You know, we we, we feel like we took the game to them. And uh, um, the defense played well, and we didn't give up any goals. And, and the problem was we didn't score any. So... Um, it's encouraging, you know, that we, we played a bad game last weekend and turned around and played a good one this weekend. And, uh, you know, the thing is we got one more chance next week. Hopefully uh, three points in Columbus will uh, will get us in. What can you take from this game going into that to keep the momentum going? Um, you know, it just shows that if we come out and, and we're focused on, on putting in a good effort and playing and playing tough, that, that we can we can take it to teams. And, uh, you know, we saw Columbus last week. Obviously, it's going to be a different game playing in Columbus, but um, you know we know we know who they are and we're ready to, to do it again. And you're going to know going into the match, you know what it means as far as your playoff hopes. Is that you know, a good thing that you're going to have known can get you in? Um, yeah, I mean we're we're going into it just looking for three points. Period. You know, playoffs, no playoffs. We, we know we have to get three points. Yeah. So Jeff Lorena, what's there? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Jeff. Um, but. Uh, being very astute and 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 uh, deep, saying I know with uh, you know a week week's worth of rest, I'd be another week rested or something along those lines. So that, was, that was pretty funny. Uh, but but also getting right to the points, like hey, you know what? Tomorrow's a game, and we got to get three points. We need to start playing. We need to start winning. And and you know you got to go in one way or the other. You know, with a, with the set focus that you got to take three points. You can't be worried about. Uh, what are what may or may not happen uh, tonight? And uh, you know, Jeff, like we said, had a great game last week. Um, he'll probably start tomorrow as well. 
uh, in Columbus. But the Revs do need a lot of help to make sure that they got their playoffs uh, scenario. Um, but you know, before we start talking about you know p potential lineups and and Columbus, we've got you know a few games going on today, uh, later tonight uh, with New York versus Toronto. Uh, Toronto obviously in that eighth um, playoff spot right now, tied with the Revolution on points, but ahead on various other tie-breaking statistics, including a goal differential um, and other weird. I think I think they won the head-to-head -head too. I believe they win the head-to-head. -head. Yeah. Okay. So um, that all comes into play if it if it's a tie. Um, so they're playing against New York Red Bulls, who have been out of it for the last um, couple of weeks, statistically probably since August. Uh, but you look at um, at the Red Bulls not playing. You know great lights out soccer but you know they struggle they struggle quite a bit on the road and uh, but they did well with their interim head coach Richie Williams at the at the uh, you know the helm there for the first two games underneath Richie Williams they've won those and you kind of thought maybe they would put a run together and they were a surprise team last year made it all the way through to the final um, before losing to Columbus, um, and you you kind of wonder if they could play the role of spoiler. Well, and, and it is their last game ever at Giant Stadium. I'm sure they'd like to end that with a win, and you know finish off that there. And these are a lot. There's a lot of guys in that team that are really playing for a job next year because you know with the way they play this year, who knows who's going to be their coach next year? You know there could be lots of changes there, and they, they're going to they're going to really want to win tonight. I, I have no doubt that they're going to be going all out for a victory, and Certainly not going to make it easy for Toronto. You know, maybe we see them pull off a draw or a win, and that could really help the Revs out. Right, right. Another um, kind of interesting matchup going on uh, is Real Salt Lake versus Colorado. Now, Colorado's in the seventh playoff spot, but uh, Real Salt Lake still, I think they're at 37 now, and they yep. could, if everybody, if Toronto and everybody at 39 points, I think it's Toronto, Dallas, uh, D.C. United and the Revolution, if they all lose and Real Salt Lake wins, then Real Salt Lake is in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you're a Revs fan, you got to be rooting for Real Salt Lake in this game because you know, if, if they win this one, then that leaves another spot available for these teams at 39 points to, to grab. Certainly, I mean, you could think, oh, well, maybe the Revs get 40 points and they don't want Salt Lake fighting for that spot too, but... I think any way you look at it, you want Royal Salt Lake to win this game if you're a Revolution fan. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's possible, too, because Colorado has not been playing well at all lately, and Salt Lake has been a good home team, so I can yeah, certainly see that happening. Home team. I, yeah, I, I like Real Salt Lake at home. Um, Colorado, you know, Connor Casey's back from his, uh, his little tour with the uh, you know, men's national team. Um, He's going to be dangerous. Omar Cummings, you know, has been practicing his diving in the in the box, so I'm sure that they'll get another late minute penalty kick, uh, and and you know, be dangerous. And we should point out too, like you said, Salt Lake eight one five at home. They've lost one game all season at home. Colorado has won all of two games on the road. So you know, going into this, you can almost look at Salt Lake as the favorite for this matchup, and even even a draw helps out the Revs. Right, right. The other. Uh, 
there are two other matches going on tonight. There, there are three other matches going on tonight, but uh, the I'm LA versus play. San Jose doesn't really doesn't really matter to the Revolution. Uh, you got Seattle versus Dallas, and Seattle's already clinched. Um, they may rest players. Who knows? Uh, Dallas has been dangerous, um, and they would love to uh, you know get this final final playoff spot, considering how poorly they played in the beginning of the season. Um, and we talk about this. We've talked about Dallas for the last couple of weeks, and it's kind of not the thing you want to do on a, when you're t- supposed to be talking about the New England Revolution. And uh, the the upshot is, um, you know, Dallas has in, has been dangerous. Seattle has been dreadful at home and not been scoring a lot of goals. Uh, you wonder if Seattle is going to come out or just kind of try and maybe even just play for a draw, keep it um, keep it simple, keep it uh, you know a little bit back to basics and, and just play it tight and hope for a draw. Rest your your star players, uh, your like Freddie Lundberg, who um, you definitely want him healthy for the playoffs. You don't want to risk him now uh, with an injury or any of your star players like Zakawani or Montero, but, um, you know, maybe give guys like uh, Santa Nyasi, Saini's uh, brother, uh, an option, uh, you know, give him some minutes or something along those lines, and uh, and just, you know, be happy with the fact that you're going into the playoffs. Well, you know, it's, it's tough to say what approach you're going to take in this game. Uh, despite their poor play at home, uh, they still have only given up nine goals all season, you know, at, at home, and that's the uh, least amount of goals any team has conceded on their home field, so that's an impressive stat for them there. And they do still have a shot at first place in the Western Conference. Uh, yes, they're a point behind the leaders, but uh, there's still a shot from there. Who knows? Maybe they think they can get that. And certainly they're going to want to build some momentum going into the playoffs. Uh, you know, who knows what comes out of this match, but Dallas certainly is the, the team to beat right now. They're the on-fire team uh, playing as well as anybody, so it, it's not going to be an easy match. And, you know, you'd like to say Seattle wins for, to help out the Revs, but uh, if they don't, the rest can still find a way in. So uh, that will be an interesting one to watch. Right. And, and the, last the last game, game uh, tonight that has impact, impact is Kansas, Kansas City versus D.C. United, United, United City. Kansas City uh, out of it, out of it, they, they cannot qualify. qualify. Um, uh, D.C. United, United stuck on 39 points by everybody else. Coming uh, uh, back, back from a, a, a game, uh, game in the Costa Rica. Costa Rica. I don't even know if they were playing. They were playing with Cap Mac early in the week. They may be a little, be a little banged, up, banged up. And, and you know, but you know, they definitely, they definitely need, need three points three as well, points as well. To, get through. to get through. So you've so got to be looking at a, a, a very, very uh, kind of tired, tired road-weary weary United, United team um, that's been struggling, struggling in the league as of late. But, you know, they got it done last week. Last week against Columbus, and you know, came away with a point there. And uh, if you look at uh, Kansas City, they're out of it. They, they can only play the role of spoiler at this stage. Um, so it is at home for Kansas City. That does give them a slight advantage. It's a very narrow pitch, and they might be able to um, you know, kind of contain uh, D.C. United, although D.C. United generally plays through the middle of the pitch, in my opinion. They don't like to go wide like the Revolution do. Um, so, who knows? Who well, knows what this will bring? And certainly, no team wants to finish the season with a loss at home. And 
if you look at last year, uh, the only one team did finish the season, you know, losing at home, and that was the Revs. So, uh, but again, looking at this matchup, uh, you kind of want DC to win this one to help out the Revs. Um, To to me, I don't think the Revs are going to advance if they don't win against Columbus. I mean, there are are some scenarios, you know, where they could advance with a tie. Um, To me, I don't see that happening. I think they need to win against Columbus. And if they do win against Columbus, uh, a win by DC can really only help them. There's very few scenarios when should DC win hurts the Revolution. So actually, in this matchup, you kind of want DC to win because if DC wins and Dallas wins, um, should Toronto lose, then the Revs advance because the Revs have the head-to-head matchup against DC. Um, they they win that one. That's the only one they win. Um, they're tied with Dallas. So should they have a three-way tiebreaker, the Revs come out on top of that. So this is a game where you know a lot of people have been saying you know we want we want Kansas City to win it, but I think the Revs want DC to win this one unless you're looking at some scenario where the Revs advance with a tie, but. You know, that's unrealistic, and if the Revs you know, go into this last game of the season and tie, you know, it's hard to say they deserve to be in the playoffs. Right, right. And I actually saw something um, earlier today that said, you know, basically three, if two of these teams win tonight, the Revs are out of it. Well, it depends on which two. If D.C. and Dallas win, uh, the Revs, I believe the Revs advance. Um, if, actually, I think, I believe. With a win. With, with a win, yeah. With the Revs with win, win tomorrow. Right, but, right. But, I mean, if the Revs, I, I don't know, I, I cannot see the Revs, I cannot see a scenario, a realistic scenario where the Revs advance with a tie. It's possible, but unlikely, unless D.C. is the only team, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. But to, to me, I think, realistically, the Revs should be hoping for a D.C. win uh, in case Dallas wins. All right, so that's that's exhausting, that setup. Let's take a quick look at um, tomorrow's game against Columbus. Columbus, uh is obviously, uh, you know, they're in, they're done. They're probably going to rest some of their players for the playoffs. Um, they know that the Revolution are going to come out hard, and uh, they're going to want to um, be able to just, you know, play it safe, keep it out, uh, keep it, you know, keep it simple. Um, the only good news for the Revolution is that Chad Marshall is still out. Uh, and Emilio Renteria is actually out because uh, he he got a red card against um, DC United, uh, but the majority of their starters are playing um, or are available, I should say. Uh, we'll probably see a very similar lineup to what they they brought out here two weeks ago, um, with the you know ability to bring in Frankie Hayduke um, off the bench if they if they need to. You know, I think this is going to be very interesting to see uh, who the crew selects for this matchup because they really have nothing to play for at this point. They've locked up the shield. And they've locked up first in the East. Um, I think we, uh, there was a quote in the uh, Columbus Dispatch um, today where their coach basically said that they're, they're going to be resting a lot of guys who had minor injuries, guys that weren't on the injury report but you know, still had minor knocks but it wasn't enough to even put on the injury report. So it seemed to me like he's basically saying, you know, we're going to be resting just about everybody. And, but but still going for the win, obviously, because you know you don't say you're going to go out to look for a draw or a loss at home. But you know I, I think they're going to be resting a lot of guys. You know, Chad Marshall was just ruled out; he's been practicing, but you know he said he's not going to be playing. You know uh, we're probably not going to see Scalotto, I would guess again, because for all we know, Columbus could have the playoff matchup that takes place on Thursday. You know, and if they go from you know Wednesday, Sunday, Thursday, uh, they're probably better off resting these guys. And I, I think that's probably what we're going to see them do and see. You know, maybe even a weaker lineup than we saw a couple weeks ago. 
and the Revs need to take advantage of that, and certainly as and favor, favorable for the Revs, uh, because like you said, the crew had a tough game on Wednesday in Puerto Rico, and I, I do see them wrestling the majority of their starters. Yep, and the uh, the Revolution, like we talked about a little bit earlier tonight, uh, they're looking pretty good. The only people really um, on the injury list for the Revs are um, the three guys that are out: Chris Albright, uh, Steve Ralston, and Taylor Twelman, all out. Um, the uh, only other two guys on the list are Brad Knighton, who's still uh, battling a bad back, and Jeff Lorenowitz with a, a knee br- bone bruise. Is what Which is the injury played through last week. Right, and uh, but they're both listed as probable, so you can count on Jeff Lorenowitz uh, being there. Matt Reese not on the list at all, even though we know that he was, uh, you know, fighting that ankle sprain last week. Um, so who do you start for the Revs if, if uh, you're Steve Nickel, you're picking your lineup tomorrow? Who's playing? Well, I think back lines. You know, back line point, Reese. We'll, we'll skip that. We, yeah, guys at this, are this point the same. You know, regardless of the mistakes O.C. is making, you don't change that at this point. Yeah. Uh, certainly Reese is given, like you said. Um, the midfield, I think Niasse is going to get the start on the right. I don't think that's too much of an argument there. I would hope Wells Thompson doesn't. Doesn't take over that spot. I don't. I haven't seen much out of him lately to certainly warrant that. Um, question, unquestionably, Lorena was in the midfield if he's ready to go, which by all all sounds, but he will be. Um, then, you know, I think you got to start with Shara Joseph in the midfield again. Um, you maybe push him up. Certainly at, at halftime, you could consider pushing him up top if things aren't working out. Uh, on the left, we saw Kenny Mansali start last week. You know, realistically, we'll probably see him start again, but I'd really like to see Castro get the start. You know, I've been saying that the past few weeks. Uh, don't think it's going to happen, but maybe it will. I'd like to see that. Yeah, basically, otherwise, I think we have the same lineup as we saw last week uh, with Dubanya and Castro up top. The only change I'd like to really see is Castro for Mansali. Um, but like you mentioned, you know, Joseph is a dangerous threat up top. If things aren't working out, you know, maybe you bring on a Pat Phelan or you bring on a Vadira uh, for Kelly Dubay and push Joseph up top uh, if that's needed. But I, I do think you go out there and really your your most solid midfield includes Joseph, and he he really makes a difference there. And I think he's a guy that you know can create opportunities going forward too, not just score. So that, that's why it's important to have him there uh, if if it works out. Yeah, I would be more inclined. I mean, uh, you really have nothing left to play for at this point. You really need the three points. Um, it could be that you know, hey, a tie gets you through. And so maybe then you you say okay let's leave Shawree in the middle we'll just play the draw and we'll 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 counter you know we'll we'll get him on the counter um, but if it comes down to where you need the three points I just say hell, heck with it you know let's let's put in um, Castro in the middle or uh, and and maybe put Mansali on the left I definitely don't say you, you don't start Wells Thompson whatever no. you do if you want if you want offense. Wells has got to sit out. Um, he's just not been producing at all. And uh, the only thing he's really good at is uh, is I think he's great coming in off the bench as a substitute, and he's very effective because he has high level of energy, which can really throw off the uh, the opposing team. But, you know, other than that, uh, I'm going to remember all the yellow cards he's gotten and how he gets yep. into trouble and um, and how he, you know, whiffs on sitters and uh I've just you know you know I I think that if I was um uh, Steve Nickel I would you know 
if if actually if I'm Steve Nickel, I know what I'm going to I'm going to go with the lineup that you suggested. You know, it's going to be the same old line, same lineup as last week. But if it's me, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to put out the uh, the forwards um, as forwards, Jankowskis and Shalry Joseph, and I'm going to put uh, a playmaker in the middle of the field, somebody who can link between Lorenowitz and the forwards, and as well as the wings. And I think that person is Mauricio Castro. I really do. Uh, but I I don't think it's going to happen. I I'm going to um, just maybe Nickel will surprise me. I doubt it. <laughs> you know, I, I agree if Castro you know, is ready to play that role, and he probably is from what I've seen from him. You know, I think that could work. Uh, I, however, I don't think anyone else could really fill that role. I don't think uh, we've seen enough from Videra to warrant him starting lately. I mean, earlier in the season he was looking good, but lately he's been looking poor. Uh, I don't think Luca can really fill that void. And I, I don't think – I think if by putting Pat Phelan in the midfield and Joseph up top, you know, you're not going to get much creativity out of that midfield to get the ball to Joseph in the first place. Right. I think that's that's a negative. Uh, I do I do agree. If Castro's in the midfield, I think that's something that you know certainly could go into consideration. Something that could 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 work. But otherwise, I think you got to put Joseph in the midfield because you know and hopefully push him up more than he pushed you know against Columbus and get him to really be that link, that guy that can create for the forwards because you know he is the most creative guy in the center of the midfield um, that we've seen lately. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know this is obviously we're we're going to miss. Um, this is where we really miss our, uh, our, you know, true captain uh, Steve Ralston, uh, and what it, it would probably be a different scenario. I would think you would, at least you would hope it would be um, that we wouldn't be in this position if we actually had Steve Ralston playing the last couple of weeks. Um, all right, hey, interesting point uh, brought up in the chat room by our friend Ray, and. Wow, it's time to end this already. Let me turn this off. Hold on. Um, got the music going. Didn't want the music starting already. Anyway, Ray says that it could be that the uh, Revolution are going to be facing our um, good friends, the Columbus Crew, and uh, in the playoffs, if it if it happens. Possibility, uh, certainly, but you know, for the first round, even. Would it yeah, be? I mean, because we'd be the final, we'd be the eighth seed, and they'd be the first seed. Uh, however, the the way the playoffs works is the the Revolution um, should, for example, should five teams from the West qualify, right. then the Revolution are automatically the third seed from the East, and the Western Conference team, even if they have more points, is the right. fourth seed. So right. It, oh, that's right. It, it's good. more likely they'd be playing Chicago, um, but it is a possibility that we could see the Revs, you know, make Columbus. Um, only if Colorado drops points, however. Okay, that's that's great to know. Um, I'm thinking. Uh, that oh, if I'm Columbus, uh, I'm probably not too scared of a matchup with the Revolution in the first round. <laughs> no, I'm not either. If I'm Columbus, because you know you've been resting all your your best players and they are ready to go whenever the uh, Revolution or whoever decides to show up in that first round. Okay, well, um, we've got a couple more clips. I'm going to pop them in at the end of this, but um, I'm just going to, we're going to wrap it up here, and then uh, I'll just add in the, uh, the clips to the podcast. So make sure you go out and you download the podcast. Um, you can find the podcast on my blog at Midnight Ride, as well as on uh, Sean's website, um, The uh, Revolution Recap. And 
Sean, your what's your uh, email? Uh, revolutionrecap at gmail.com. Uh, but you can also find the blog at blog.revolutionrecap.com. I'll try to get that up as quickly as possible there, too, once you have it up on yours. So two options there. And you can also share comments on that as well. Right. And my blog is uh, revsmidnightride.blogspot.com. And also it will be available on iTunes. And um, you've got a Facebook page, Revolution Recap, so be sure to check that out. And uh, if you guys are around tonight, probably going to be a ton of live blogs going on uh, at the um, epicfooty.com, which is a uh, kind of a communal multi-blogosphere uh, where we just kind of get together and make fun of each other as we watch the, uh, the games during a live blog. It's a lot of fun. If you're uh, around, check it out. And... That'll do it, I think, for this week. Um, like I said, make sure you uh, listen to the end of this podcast, and we will um, add in those clips later. But this is Hank Alexander here, Sean Donahue on the other end. Thanks again, Sean. This is great. Uh, thanks for getting those clips and uh, getting in getting in the face of those uh, fantastic players that, that we know and love so well. Well, thanks again, Hank, and hopefully we'll have uh, some playoff soccer to talk about next week. But if not, there's you know, plenty of other things to talk about. <laughs> the rest of the season. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, Sean, thanks again, and uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you, Ray, for the chat room. Um, I'm appreciating it, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Everybody, take care. Well, how satisfied are you with the SEC team? Well, um, you know, obviously, uh, disappointed, I'd say, more so than satisfied, just because, you know, we, we, we really needed those points, and we put ourselves in a little bit of a, a bind here. Um, but I mean, you know, I think that you know, there's some positives to take away for for sure. I mean, I think that energy was there. You know, um, probably one of our better games all year. We just couldn't, um, you know, we didn't create many chances. But uh, you know, the guys up top, the guys in the field worked really hard, and I thought defensively we did a good job. What was the difference tonight between last week? It seems like you guys really got one play, to one play. And I think that you know, last week was a similar type of game. We didn't play great at all last week, but we we still continued to fight, and you know, we had a, a mix up, and it was a goal. I mean, it, it would have been a lot better if we could have come through. Either one of these with uh, with a couple goals and back in that, but uh, you know, I think you're right. I think that you know we did communicate a little bit better this week, and um, it showed defensively. But we just couldn't, you know, connect enough passes to get to get something in the net. Are there encouraging signs from this game? Because it seems like the performance tonight has been better than perhaps some of the performances in recent weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think that we have to take something away. I mean, we're going into a a lion's den on uh, Sunday, so if if anything we can take away is that. You know, we came together, we defended well as a team, um, but now we need to, you know, step it up and, and um, you know, re- rely on um, some of the experiences that we've had going into places and how to get wins. And um, I think some of the younger guys, uh, you know, will, will get a, a good taste of playoff soccer for sure. Maybe a take on Paul My take on Paul Mariner leaving is it's going to be very, um, I think it's great for him. I think it's, you know, we couldn't have a more deserving coach, and um, you know, as someone that's been here like myself a long time, I've uh, I've learned quite a bit from him, and uh, about professionalism, about uh, caring yourself, and, and um, I think he's just a an awesome coach, awesome individual, and, and he's helped my game out quite a bit just by how he approaches it. And um, you know, I think it's it's a sad day for the Revolution, but a, a great day for Paul Manor, and um, I think MLS is, is missing out on a great coach too. So hopefully, we'll see him back someday, but. I think once he starts to fly, we're not going to see him around. He's going to be in, uh, in some high-level coaching.
What's the key going into next week? I mean, Columbus obviously has a midweek game. You know, it could be tired. You think a couple things that might work in your advantage. You're also going to go into it knowing you know, whether or not you still have a shot at the playoffs. So. Right. I mean, I think the key is, um, you know, it's, the, the key is just to, to to keep our head, you know, focused, to keep, uh, you know, keep what we, like, take the positives from the night, where we focus, where we, we, we're on the same page. Um, keep that um, going, and then... And then um, you know, we just have to we have to tackle the better. We have to kind of get pressure on. It's especially tough on the defense with the offense hasn't been scoring lately. Does that make it even harder for you guys? I mean, I think that you know we work hard. Everyone on the field works hard. So I mean, tonight I was you know I think that for me personally I was exhausted. Um, but I think that it's because I knew how much this game, how important this game was. I think everybody did, and I don't think there was one player that that didn't leave everything they had on the field. And sometimes you know it's it's not easy to score goals. And you know I think uh, I had an opportunity. Um, you know, the, the Kevin and Dubey had a great opportunity to slid, and and so um, you know, you don't capitalize. It's uh, it's a it's a long night, but I think that you know we we can take a couple positives away for sure. Did did you felt like Chicago came for a point and they almost left with three? Um, I think they, I think they came to be tight. Yeah, um, I think you know certainly the first. First 25 minutes of the game, we really put them under some some good pressure and, and really just couldn't finish it off and and get that goal to get us ahead. Um, I think from 25 on, it was probably pretty even. Uh, they were trying to break on us. They had a, they had a couple of chances on the break, uh, but you know we had a couple of chances in the box where we might have done better as well. Uh, so you know we're disappointed to lose the game, um, but you know the performance. You know you can't argue with that. Um, we just didn't really get the break we needed to, to, to get ourselves ahead. You think this point was enough to make you to go to the playoffs? It keeps us in contention. Um, you know, uh, we have to go to Columbus and win, that's, that's for sure. Uh, but we're, in, we're still in contention and uh, that's all we can ask. Can you talk about the performance of Lorena Woods coming back from injury? It seemed like you did everything tonight. Yeah, I mean, what can you say? You know, the guy's playing on one leg and he played well tonight. You know, uh, you certainly wouldn't have known had they not had strapping on his leg, you wouldn't have known there was anything wrong with him. He had a good solid game and did, did some good things. Um, but we just didn't quite have that extra to get ourselves ahead and, and put a ball in the net. Steve, you couldn't convince your partner to stay on another couple of seasons, would you? <laughs> that would be nice. Uh, but, you know, he deserves he deserves a, uh, he deserves to, to go places and, and he deserves to, to, to get a head coach's job. Uh, which I think is going to happen eventually where he's gone. Uh, I'm certainly shocked that nobody in MLS is coming and, and taking him. You know, unfortunately, we're going to lose. Or certainly, Americans, American youngsters are going to lose somebody with his experience and his knowledge uh, to a different place. So that's disappointing. But obviously, disappointing for me to lose him. He's been a fantastic servant from for the club, but 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 from for the club, but. From for the club, but from for the club, but from for the club, but.